And you're ah, this episode is brought to you by Cards Against Humanity. Yes, just not to read an ad, dear gummit. If they do want you to enjoy the show, ain't that just like them? I guess those squirrels just didn't take belong. <laughs> <laughs> now for our weather report. Let's see what kind of weather is blowing our way with Gail Fickman. Okay, thanks, Rock. Well, I'll tell you, we got a real doozy blowing into town right now. You're going to see a real high-pressure system moving in from the north. The inhumidity is really going to drop, okay? And we, what we got is a high-altitude atmospheric repeating precipitation. That's an H-A-A-R-P coming in from the north. Now, that's also, I mean, it's going to get cold out there. Bring the squonks inside, everybody, okay? we got to be safe. If you're going to be out there crashing around in the woods, make sure that you are bundled up. Make sure you are scaring safely. Now, your sheep squatches, your yetis, you're going to be just fine with this, but I'm looking at you, swamp creatures. Okay, this weather's really going to come at you. We're going to get weather fronts so severe, you're going to hear thunder sounds, and I know what you're thinking. Is such a thing possible? Yes, it sure is. So make sure you get home on time. Don't rush on the highways, okay? There's going to be covered with men in black ice. So for the next 24 to 36 hours, try to stay in your home. we got a classic winter kaifek on our hands. Now, let's take a look at the 10-day forecast. Once this supernatural cell moves out of the area, it's going to be nothing but fierce skies for the next five days. And as a matter of fact, it looks like next Thursday, the skies will be so clear, we are scheduled to get a little northern frights going on. So uh, keep your eyes turned to the skies. And Rock, while you're up there looking at the skies, I've also taken a look at the radar. Looks like an extraordinarily low chance, 10 to 15% chance of abduction for the next three to five days. So that's going to be great. Get out there. Check on your crop circles. Make sure everything's okay after that big storm. And then get on back in the house because I'll tell you what, towards the end of next week, things are going to start looking a little gray again. By which I mean there will be bad weather and a high chance of abductions. Gail, is there any chance this will conflict with next week's squatch hunting season opening? Well, I'll tell you, Rock, I don't think so. Word from the uh, Department of Fish and Game, they're actually getting rid of the entire tagging procedure for squatch hunting. It is a bag as many as you want this season. There is no tags on that. There are no limits. And I'll tell you what, I don't think it's going to affect it because so far no one has ever actually brought a squatch in. All right. Thank you, as always, Gail Fickman. Sounds like those squatches may not tick belong anywhere around here. <laughs> Never gets old, Rock. Coming up after the break... How to plan your holiday meals. The difference between having your family over for dinner and having your family for dinner. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> okay, Rock. Oh, okay. Okay, enough. we have fun. <laughs> <laughs> we have fun, guys. Hello! I'm David Flora. I am Dave Stacko. You have reached Blurry Photos. If leave, you would like to leave a message, leave a message, uh, right into us because this isn't actually a <laughs> damn right <laughs> voicemail. Hey, uh, hope you're doing well. Yeah, happy new year. Built a sense of anticipation for 2016. We've got a pretty damn good show for you. I think so too. I'm into this, particularly because I think all of us are just coming off of stuffing our faces sideways with every piece of food imaginable. Yep, and uh, and being with the family for holidays, uh-huh. trapped as it were. The weather's finally starting to turn for the worse. Yeah, I mean, apparently, someday the United States will get winter. 
it's it's had vestiges of it recently. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's it's given it the old college try once or twice. Hope you guys are uh, uh, ready for a pretty creepy one. Boogity, boogity. Because for this episode, we are talking about the Wendigo. Which uh, I my first impression of the Wendigo is from the old four person uh, brawler X Men game. I think the Wendigo was one of the first bosses you had to fight and he that's go, funny wendigo wendigo he said that yeah <laughs> as i recall i could be making that up but i i'm pretty sure i remember that i i love the thought that just all enemies just say their name yeah why wouldn't they? magneto magneto wom 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 magneto <laughs> yeah a, a subject uh a, a creature from folklore that has permeated a lot of pop culture which uh we'll we'll discuss and, and, and first and foremost, I mean, like, I've got a, I've got a little rant, a little hateful rant oh, goodness. Uh, about the Wendigo, about something that we've perpetrated on this very podcast. Oh, no. I typically, it, honestly, I should save my hateful rant for the YouTube comment section, but I'll just put it here in the podcast, save everybody some time. <laughs> you, YouTube, <laughs> where the most enlightened people go to share their most enlightened opinions. <laughs> yeah. God, I, I, what a, what a fucking wasteland! I kind of dig it. I kind of dig it. I there's a part of me that wants to make a T-shirt of every bad comment we ever get. <laughs> you know what is if it if it just stays within the realm of YouTube, yeah, and everybody's just spewing their their anal garbage onto our page, fine, yeah, well, whatever. Nobody nobody goes to YouTube anymore. <laughs> YouTube. I, uh, years and years and years ago, um, I, I've made no secret of my love of the state, the sketch mm-hmm. comedy troupe. And I think it was for their second season. They had this great promo they had on it on MTV. And it was that song. I started the joke that started the whole world crying. And it just showed the whole cast just looking really sad and dejected. And it was like. The new season of the state, more miserable crap. Because <laughs> it, it was just the whole time it showed them really sad and they just kept uh, showing all the bad reviews they got. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, well, good for them. Yeah. That's how you do it. Like, yeah, I'm right. I am not thick skinned at all. It's it's <laughs> terrible. I, I hate it. Going into performing arts and and putting myself out there is is probably the stupidest thing i could have done with my life <laughs> i i just hold everyone in such just uh what's the word i'm looking for uh disdain yes that was exactly the word i when i would go on stage and i would always hope you know you always want to be funny but if they didn't if if no one found what i was doing funny i will my first thought that always goes through my head is if you didn't like that, you're going to fucking hate this. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> th- that should be our, our <laughs> next t-shirt. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. If you didn't like the first 11 minutes, stick around. <laughs> asshole. Oh yeah. The, the home of the double down. <laughs> So Jeez. anyway, enough about us uh, and our misery and how it's, much oh, y'all oh, hate you, us. you didn't get to own your rant. So, Sorry. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay. This is a Wendigo rant. Yeah, here's my Wendigo rant. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes at Blurry Photos, in our effort to make an entertaining podcast, we make mistakes. And we read a story with an unattributable source. Okay, it was the scary stories to tell in the dark book. About the quote-unquote Wendigo. And in that story, a man was swept along by a spectral wind until he burned up. 
the end. <laughs> that story was not only false, but it was defamatory to actual Wendigos and led to a lot of misinformation about Wendigo culture and their practices. And I can only hope no lives were lost as a result of our callous disregard for fact-checking. Because that story was bullshit, son. I knew it when we read it. And it always made me crazy. And I was like, do I just not know what a Wendigo is? Because oh. it's got nothing to do with the fucking wind. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Uh, this is going to be fun, though. Because, A, I, I agree with you. But, B... I'm eight in, minutes into 11, so you got three minutes, fucker. In, in, <laughs> in the research, uh, I will tie that, that story back to uh, some of the origins, maybe, of the maybe. Wendigo. And maybe. I might be irrationally uh, unwilling to listen to, to reason at this point. Well, then <laughs> you can go vote for Donald <laughs> Trump. Then. I was going to say, oh, then I'll, I'll, take, I'll take my business to YouTube. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I like it. I, I agree with you. Uh, we'll, we'll get into... Uh, what all you're pissed off about, and a whole lot more. <laughs> we've got we've got some stories, some poems, folklore, myths, legends. We, we got, got it all. We got a bit of everything for you. Yeah. Oh, and there's a, a really interesting tie-in to the Illuminati. Oh shit! I lied. There isn't. Oh. Or is there? I oh. can't tell anymore. Oh. <laughs> right. So what we are going to do <laughs> is talk about <laughs> what a Wendigo is. What. Some tales of them are, and is there any truth to the legend? Yeah, what what what's behind all that hullabaloo? And there's a lot of hullabaloo. Yeah, I, it, and you know what? There's uh more behind it than you would think. So yes, there is. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun one. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. It's it was fun to research. A lot of a lot of fun tales, and and it's just a nice oh midwinter so nice. uh, experience. <laughs> I don't know what noise that was. <laughs> you may taste of this essence now. <laughs> like a Skeksy? <laughs> what is that? From the Dark Crystal? Essence! Oh. Essence of Gelfling! Uh, let's get to it, because there's a lot to you it, I guess. It. Let's just tell you what the hell this thing is. The Wendigo is a malevolent, violent, cannibal Manitou, which is uh, spirit or energy, found in... Ashinabe mythology, and this includes the Chippewa, Ottawa, Algonquin, Potawatomi, Ojibwe, and Cree, just to name a few. Now, these are um, further north, uh, northern North American tribes. They, they, they range from the American Midwest all the way up to the Hudson Bay. Yeah. Think of it as uh, northern Minnesota mm -hmm. uh, up to almost the reaches of, of when we were talking about Anjakuni Lake. Right, yeah. In, into none of it there. Yep. Right? So, and then uh, east into- Nanavut. Nanavut? Well, you were mispronouncing it and I was having none of it, so I had to correct you. I'm just <laughs> zero, zero in on that crotch. <laughs> Dude, just 15 weeks. It's right here. We have a dry erase board. 15 weeks since junk assault. Good. I'm, At 20 weeks, you, you get a pizza party. I, we I all know. a pizza know. party. We all know. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but it says nothing about me assaulting your crotch for being such an asshole. That, that would reset the thing. Oh, is that what happened? <laughs> all right. It, it goes uh, as far east as New York, right? Yep. Into, into New York. Does it go farther east than that? I forget that the little map. There's a little map that's floating around. Forget if it goes into like Maine. It, it does north of the U.S. Canadian border. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, and then for as far south as you know, uh, Illinois, uh, Wisconsin, 
around the Great Lakes. Yeah. Yeah. Midwest. So that's that's the region we're dealing with. These are the natives, uh, the, the, the Native American tribes in, in that area in history. It's known by several variations and pronunciations of the name, including Wendigo. When do ha go? Ween digo. When Diego. It's just, they just moved the vowel around in it. <laughs> and Ouija What? Yeah, yeah. Now that, that is related. A few pronunciations. A lot of people just say Wendigo and just are done with it. Yeah. Which is what we're going to do for this. Right. That's what I feel like doing. There are a ton of names. Did you see this in the research? Yeah. They they will list out the the spellings and and the names and stuff. Yeah, and and not to I mean keep in mind I mean these are these are from people whose just the tribe name is Potawatomi. Right. I mean like yes they it gets elaborate and repetitive. Yeah. The only reason I can say that with such facility is because of their fine casinos. <laughs> I'm just used to hearing it radio. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I've been to the one in M- Milwaukee. Oh yeah. Anyway, too too much smoke. They 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 still smoke inside there. So. Ah, too, that's too the much, worst. But uh, the name is translated, and and this is depending on the regional dialect, as "he who lives alone" or "the spirit of the lonely places." Though it's commonly also known as "windwalker" in Minnesota, and the evil spirit that devours mankind to the Inuit. Whoa! Obviously, if if you are uh, uh, of any of these uh, native peoples and can offer either a correction or your own translation, please let me know. Or a scarier story. (laughs) That's true. These beings also vary in description from tribe to tribe and tale to tale. Sometimes they're described as monstrous giants, 15 to 30 feet tall. hey Sometimes they are large beast men, half stag or half uh, canid, or even Yeti-like with shaggy white matted fur. Yeah, there's a lot of, of like, uh, you know, deviant art and stuff online that has, like, the the stag head, which mm-hmm. is terrifying. Sure. It, the, the art on these are, are is great. I, I love the art that, that you can find. In the tales, I, did, I didn't get a lot of um, the half deer, half, half stag kind of... Uh, which also... To my mind, I mean, aside from it just looking scary, because deer skulls are spooky and whatnot, it doesn't make a lot of sense for a creature that was an meat eater to have a deer's head. Yeah. Deer, deer don't meat eat meat. <laughs> or ain't good at it. Their little mouth barely opens up. <laughs> I can't get a hold of you. <laughs> Other sometimes, they are made completely of ice, or at least coated in it. And yet still, sometimes they're described as emaciated, tall, lanky, ashen-skinned, skeletal, with elongated limbs and fingers. Yeah, because they're so hungry. That's that's the part that's the creepiest to me, just having extra long arms. Yeah, there is fingers. some really good, there's a, a picture that I saw of like one kind of like curled up on a log, or like oh. kind of crouched on a log, Yeah, and it's just all knees and you can, its head's just looking because it's yeah all the long limbs and yeah yuck. most every description includes a wretched smell of decay and death yeah and many also include glowing eyes long yellowed fangs and extra long tongues all are driven by a terrible hunger for human flesh in some myths the gigantic sizes are connected to the hunger eating a person would cause it to grow in proportion 
meaning it would never actually be satiated. Ugh. And that's how a Wendigo could be both ravenous and skeletally thin. The hunger often led them to gnaw away their own lips and fingertips, leaving bloody stubs. Oh, you need those. Not when you're a Wendigo, brother. I guess. They are associated with extremely cold climates. They possess supernatural strength, agility, speed, senses, stamina, healing, and depending on the tale, they have magical abilities as well, including shape-shifting. A common theme among the tales is that people can turn into a Wendigo if they ever resort to cannibalism. Right. Other ways to become a Wendigo are possession, whether willingly or unwillingly, by dreaming of one, getting bitten from one, or getting cursed by a sorcerer. Fasting for too long or eating too much will also do it. And uh, an excerpt from uh, a Monstropedia entry about the Wendigo says, Among the Wendigo's host of supernatural abilities, the Wendigo fever is perhaps the most feared. It is a terrible curse overtaking the mind and body of the unfortunate victim. The first symptom of the curse is a strange scent, detectable only to the intended victim. After absorbing this disturbing odor, the victim experiences a long night of weeping and horrifying nightmares. Upon awakening, the victim experiences a burning pain in the legs and feet, which becomes so intense that the victim runs into the forest, shrieking like a maniac and discarding clothing and shoes all the while. Most of the curse's victims never return, although those who do return are irrevocably insane from their experiences of the curse and the Wendigo itself. Ugh. It is thought that most of the curse's victims are devoured by the Wendigo. How to tell if you are a Wendigo. <laughs> There's some warning signs, everybody. Just keep an eye out. It's the holidays. You're doing a lot of traveling. You might run into a Wendigo. That's right. You might uh, You might pick it up. You're around a lot of people. You know, if you don't wash your hands, touch your eyes, touch your mouth. Other symptoms include depression, paranoia, stupor, glazed eyes, vomiting, shouting, bodily swelling, and your favorite, Dave, thinking family members are game animals. Oh, like cartoons where you look and it's just they're like a, a giant T-bone steak with a head on it. Yeah, except that uh, they appear especially as beavers. What? Yeah. <laughs> beavers are, are the... Uh, I guess the the number one uh, game animal that is viewed. <laughs> that makes in, no sense. In the hallucination for a Wendigo. A Wendigo. All right. Well, I mean, if I look around and my loved ones appear to be beavers, okay, I will accept that maybe it's not going to plan. <laughs> Some tales have the Wendigo growing stronger magically as it, as it ages with powers over nature, including weather control, mastery over beasts, and some degree of teleportation. And flight. That's levitation, Holmes. <laughs> They bait victims with howls or voices crying for help. They run with supernatural speed. They can unlock doors and enter homes. So that bed <laughs> with them covers ain't a safe place. Mm -mm. Sorry. So there's a description for you of what we're dealing with. Yeah. So if you've seen or experienced any of that, uh, don't call the police. Call us. Yeah. We won't help you. We just want to hear about it. We might stab you. What? Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> sure, 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 sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, 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 you. 
How about the history, mother licker? You want you want to get into some history? You know me, I love me some history. Uh, the Wendigo is a creature of legend, as we've discussed, and it, it as it is uh, from Native American uh, mythology. It's really hard to say exactly what it began. There's no, you know, like oh, this is the first. You know, it's so much of an oral tradition. God only knows how long this has, has gone on. But the God tales- only knows how long <laughs> you're a Wendigo. Dun, 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 Got it. <laughs> okay. I may not always hunger. <laughs> I may not always eat you. All right. Uh, but they have, uh, the, the tales have been in, in, in the, the culture for hundreds of years. Um, and they, they say that the first Wendigo was a warrior who was protecting his tribe from an enemy. Outmatched and desperate, the warrior made a deal with the devil baby. <laughs> the power to defeat the enemy and save his people. Now, this is the devil. So, it, guess yeah, what? Doesn't work out exactly according to plan. Right. It's, it's for all intents and purposes, the, uh, I guess, the opposite of the great spirit yeah. for, for the natives. It's not the Christian devil. It's the, uh, the great unclean for, yeah. for uh, Well, it's all, they're all aspects of the father of shadows. The writhing tentacle, the unclean one, the many-handed servant. Daddy liar. <laughs> daddy liar. <laughs> Old big, stink. Big, big daddy liar. <laughs> Old stinks. <laughs> the soul stain. Nice. Like, technically, it should be the many-handed master, not the many-handed servant. Oh, Just who's he serving? Right. Uh, so he makes a deal. Uh, the devil came, came town to Ojibwe, and he was looking to make a deal. <laughs> he was in a bind, but he's <laughs> way, way behind. behind. <laughs> okay. He was looking for some people to eat. That's right. So, uh, Warrior makes a deal and says, hey, why don't you help us a bit there, love? We'll give you what you want. And so the devil's like, done deal. Here you go. Warrior is victorious. Then he was banished from the tribe and cursed with cannibalistic cravings. And from there, the legend grew. So they're like, hey, you saved your family. You're delicious. <laughs> Tasty family. So tender. I gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. Get out of here, Warrior. Mm-hmm. And it's the ultimate sacrifice, though. I guess. From the ultimate warrior. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a thing that had a picture of the ultimate where it said, this man's decorated like a girl's tricycle. <laughs> <laughs> really was. So uh, this story was then shared with missionaries uh, as they made their way into the interior of North America uh, in the 1600s. Now, um, let's go ahead and jump <laughs> forward about... To, you know, to yeah. uh, to three hundred years there. You know that's that's the problem with the uh, oral tradition. Yeah, uh, you, you you get big jumps in there. Yeah, but that was like that was the first time uh, that uh, Europeans were were exposed to this uh, as a as a mythology or as a story told. Right, but uh, it had been around for a little while. Yep, yep, yep. So then, now this uh, this is actually taken from Supernatural magazine, and we have every reason to believe that it's true. Mm-hmm. In the winter of 1878, a Plains Cree fur trapper named Swift Runner and his family were... It sounds, it sounds like they were on vacation. Uh, him and his family were starving together. <laughs> and, uh, and the nearest outpost, which would be uh, for, by the Hudson's Bay Company, with food and supplies, was almost 30 miles away. Which, even today, is a pa- fair piece. Assuming, you know, even with a car, you don't want to drive. Half an hour. You don't want to drive 30 miles. Uh, you No, no, way more than half an hour. Enough because half an hour. 
no, no, not even. Even in uninteresting if, parts of the country. No, uninteresting part. Half an hour, 20 minutes. You're the worst. <laughs> You're just the damn You know worst. what? What? If it was 30 miles from Chicago, yeah, it would be like an hour and a half. Yeah. But back home, the town that's that's 30 miles away. Listen, 30, I've, 30 I've, I've seen how Kentucky people drive, okay? I've ridden with Kentucky people. A guy named Elvis took me for a ride in a Mustang at like 90 some miles an hour. So yes, I guess I do believe you. <laughs> but for the rest of us, lie abiders would have taken way more than 30 minutes. Well, you know what? This is the most important part of the story. And I'm <laughs> glad that we're really hashing this out. <laughs> you know what though? What? You know what? What? Law dog go around here. Oh, shit. I do savvy. I savvy? do savvy. Yes. Savvy? Law dog. <laughs> Heard you the first time. All right. So anyway, food 30 miles away. Uh, so the uh, uh, Swift Runner's oldest son uh, was the first one, unfortunately, to drop. And then not too long after that, Swift Runner then butchered and ate his wife, his brother, and six remaining children. Oh, feel a like, lot of meat. Yeah. I feel like even at 30 miles away, a guy named Swift Runner could have made the trip. I mean, that was his name. Two hours. <laughs> two, two hours. hours. <laughs> um, Swift Runner, two hours. So then, uh, according per the Edmonton Sun reporter, he wandered alone into the Catholic mission in St. Albert in the spring of 1879, claiming to be the only member of his family who didn't starve to death over a particularly cold and bitter winter, which is true. The priest then became suspicious when they realized the Swift Runner, who weighed about 200 pounds, did not seem all that hungry and uh, was also plagued with uh, a, a mild case of the screaming fists and nightmares <laughs> while he slept. Uh, he told them he was being tormented by an evil spirit called Wendigo, but said little else about it. They reported their misgivings to the police, who took Swift Runner to his family campground in the woods northeast of Edmonton, where they made the uh, appropriately horrific discovery that the site was littered with bones and flesh and hair. Ugh. And by some accounts that the larger bones had even been snapped to get the marrow out. Um, and so eventually Swift Runner confessed that he did shoot some of his family, bludgeoned others with an ax and strangled one girl. And by some accounts said that he fed one boy human flesh before he too was killed. Was he like fattening him up? Wow. Maybe. Oh, Jesus. It doesn't matter. Gross. Um, and, I mean, uh, 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 with all there's and there's so many different ways of of dying and like go go ahead i'm just there's something else going on here yeah go ahead right Ugh. and so up until the day he was executed uh swift runner proclaimed that he was possessed by a demon the wendigo uh and that his last words before he was hung at fort saskatchewan uh were i am the least of men and do not merit even being called a man then they done hung him and henceforth, he's been known as uh, obviously a murderer uh, and more than likely a lunatic. Yeah. And that was in 1879. Yep. With it, it, there, there's two, like you, you just want to kill. You just want to kill. Right. You just want to kill at that point. Stir crazy, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, <sighs> all the different ways is shooting, strangling, bludgeoning, feeding someone their own sister. Now, let me ask you this, though. I mean, okay. Because I have already established myself as being this podcast pro cannibalism <laughs> perspective, which I am not. I am not pro cannibalism. Give it a chance. I'm just saying I get it. I get it. Just, I get it. No. Um. Typically, when people, uh, you know, like I mean, your serial killers have a ritualized 
manner of killing. It's very rare for someone to kill with different methods. True. Um, so maybe that speaks a little bit. Maybe he was trying to be more humane as time went on. What if he was actually trying to save one of the other people's lives and they were like, I'm not going to eat. He's like, yeah, you are. This is the only food there is. At least two of us will make it out. Yeah, f- it, I'll eat you too. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm yeah. just saying, you know, it, it's horrifying. And, and at that point though, I mean, and we've talked about this when we talk about zombie apocalypses and when shit goes really south. Is it a world you want to live in? Like, do you want to be the guy who survives by eating everyone you love? No. You know, like. No. You're right. Right. Yeah. With using different methods of killing in, in this instance, to me, it sounds like he's not trying to be more humane. He's looking for opportunities. Maybe. Because with everybody else dropping dead and, and him still surviving, it sounds to me like he's like, oh, no, uh, son number three died. Ugh. That that famine, that, yeah. that cold, it right? Because it, it sounds like from the description, because it doesn't give a lot of detail on the order, it's but it true. sounds like his son did just succumb. Yeah, and that's what starts the ball rolling. And then you know, I guess you could, if you if you wanted to, you could tell a different story based on how you what order you put these in. You know, you do if you want to keep it quiet, you use the the cord strangulation. Mm-hmm. You know, a big hit with an axe. And then towards the end, you're like, ah, f- it. Pew, pew, pew. you know, I don't know. Maybe some people tried to run, so we had to shoot them. Mm, right. You know what I Like, yeah, I, there's, you just don't know. But at you, that point, there's some kind of bloodlust going on. Right. Regardless, it's horrific. Right. So that's, that's just a one case that comes up with, uh, with Wendigo attached to it. And in 1907, fella by the name of Algernon Blackwood. I think you had some flowers for him, didn't you? Oh! <laughs> wrote a short story called the Wendigo. Within its pages, he recounted a hunting party venturing into the Canadian backwoods and returning profoundly changed by an encounter with a Wendigo. And this was later adapted to a shorter version in the Alvin Schwartz Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which is what you were the talking about. bullshit story. That story does include uh, parts where they talk about, oh, my feet, my burning feet. Right. And they, you know, they run so fast and then they, they, well, they get drugged by the Wendigo. And the scary stories to tell in the dark kind of distills this Algernon's story down into a very, you know, digestible few pages for kids to read. But it leaves out the hunger, the cannibalism, the, um, the horrific encounter when the person that was supposedly taken away by the Wendigo or disappeared actually comes back and mm-hmm. is just mentally gone. Yeah. And then they realize his feet are burned up and he's got this like uh, terrifying grin on his face and, and then runs back off into the woods and yeah, everybody's it, just. And in some versions like this, the flesh is stripped from the face a little bit. The teeth are exposed. Yeah. So, yeah and there's, yeah, there's a, there's a, some variation there that, yeah, like not only the feet are burned away, but there's, there's flesh missing there. Right. Sort of like a, uh, not, not a zombie. I mean, like, like a, like a revenant, like a, right. like a fast, angry spirit corpse. Ghoul or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ghoul. That's a good word. Um, but yeah. Oids. Oids. So the, the uh, Algernon Blackwood story, much better than the scary stories, but the scary stories does derive directly from that story. True. That's in 1907. Now, in the same year, Pei Oe Kwan, an elderly native shaman, 
was rumored to be responsible for killing over 20 people in his tribe. He claimed to have been sure that the Weetigo had possessed each one of the 20. Although the native justice system accepted this situation, the British justice system was appalled by it and promptly charged Pei Wei Kwan with 20 counts of murder. He hanged himself before the police were able to apprehend him, so the Northwest Mounted Police arrested the tribe's chief, a man named Mistainu, who had also been implicated in the deaths. Mistainu was tried and convicted in Peowaquan's stead and was sentenced to life imprisonment at Stony Mountain Penitentiary, where he eventually died. Boo. 20 people. They couldn't have all been Wendigos. You know... (laughs) If if you consider the Wendigo like a, a zombie type of thing, in that case, 20 people in a tribe, easy to uh, to infect. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there there is, we'll, we'll get to it towards the end, but you know, we'll come back to those 20 people. Because sure. I think, you know, there there is something that like may, may string that together. Now, at that same time that that was happening, uh, there was a member of the Cree tribe in northwestern Ontario named Jack Fiddler who told a Methodist minister about his ability to defeat Wendigos. Uh oh, this guy's like like uh, Vankman. <laughs> you got a Wendigo problem? You call me. Here's my card. So then word. <laughs> here's here's my hide. Yeah. <laughs> uh, word spread of Fiddler's self-proclaimed abilities. Well, this is like this is like taking uh, rainmaking to the next level. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I can't help you with precipitation, but I will. F- up a spectral flesh-eating uh, myth beast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as a shaman, Fiddler said he killed 14 Wendigos during his lifetime and insisted that his actions of, of rooting out locals before they turned into Wendigos saved lives of many. Okay, so he's getting into pre-crime at this point. Like, you're not a Wendigo today, but you might be tomorrow, <laughs> so I will kill you today. Yeah. And <laughs> that's like... Uh, the the thing you see on Imgur all the time, Odin promised to rid the world of frost giants. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you seen any frost giants? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he's like, hey, when when you, if you see a Wendigo, then I've f-ed up. But right. For the time being, I should just indiscriminately kill people that I smell it on. <laughs> Jack Fiddler and his brother Joseph were arrested and imprisoned for killing a woman before she transformed. Yeah, you should wait. Uh, Jack escaped and as so many people do hanged himself. Uh, Joseph died of consumption just days before he would have been released on appeal. Uh, the fiddler killings lent credibility to the notion that the Wendigos were real, but they also point to a myth evolving from the eradication of physical and mental illness. Mm. The murder and quarantine disposable of Wendigo bodies may have stopped the spread of disease or silenced the mentally ill. Yeah. And we'll, I think we'll come back to that. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it makes for an even worse situation. It's true. That it's like true. anyone who's not normal or infirm, oh, well, they, they're Wendigo bait. They're, they're going to. And you know, we've seen this in other cultures mm-hmm. uh, where someone is, is different. They don't function as most of society does. And so they get branded Either maybe they're possessed by a demon or, or there's something wrong with them. They're yep. monstrous. The devil got them. And so they're, they're dealt with in a, a pretty medieval fashion. And you don't think of that a lot of times when you think of Native American uh, culture and things mm-hmm. like that. But it, it certainly happened in, in like this is a prime example of 
how something like that translates into the the culture, the mythology of, yeah. of the people. Now, Wendigo reports didn't stop with with just this early 20th century no uh, stuff. In fact, the last known reports of of Wendigo activity. I mean, they're, they're ongoing in the, in the way that I think that UFO sightings might be ongoing, right. Bigfoot sightings. I, I looked pretty specifically for, um, you know, modern or recent sightings and even, even the sites that are like, Hey, this is where all the sightings get posted. They were <laughs> this like, this is where all these these sightings is is the things. kind of went through that. <laughs> the, the, even they were like, well, some kids think they saw a Wendigo. They took this blurry picture, take it or leave it. What do you think? See ya. I mean, like they, they, they had yeah. no skin in that game at all. They, they were not trying to, uh, to take a side there. Right. And the, apparently there was activity in Canada recorded in Kenora, Ontario in 1940. And at that time there was a major famine due to three consecutive harsh winters. In uh, 1970, an elderly couple and their two adult children all reported spotting a Wendigo in the woods near their house in Roseau, Minnesota. I, I, I think I pronounced it right. Uh, their report was filed, but not taken seriously. What? Because f- these people. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like that town in Minnesota actually had more than that. I um, when, you, when you start doing the research, and here's my excuse for it, it you, you start seeing the same things, but then there'll be a, a different piece here and there, and then you lose it when you're shuffling through. Right. But anyway, um, the reports go on. Think of it as kind of like Bigfoot sightings now. That's, that's what I would say to think of it as. Mm-hmm. All right, Flora. So how about we uh, how about we slap some sweet ass paint on this? Uh, we've we've got uh, some poems, some, some stories, paints, some stories. <laughs> That's such a weird thing. <laughs> You're a weird thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm. I. All right. The thing about this, I mean, since it's it's so oral tradition. It's like nothing but stories, you know. Yeah, that's true. Which is great. It's just fun great. because so it great. allows us to uh, frost to the cockles of your heart. <laughs> that, that you know what? For no good reason, that sentence toes the line. <laughs> it's true. Nothing ever. No good reason. <laughs> it's all yeah. All right. Here's what I'm thinking, real quick. Just throwing it out there. If uh-huh. we if we do a uh, a Patreon thing, then maybe once a month we do a, a live something or another. And one of the things I'm thinking of doing cockle frosting is cockle frosting. Yeah. How do you frost your cockles? Well, um, first we make it's a it's a it's a sweet shortbread cockle. Then I make sort of a an icing. It's got some almond paste in it. It's it, when we just frost those. Cockles. And then you make a hollandaise sauce. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm thinking of doing like a series where we we read some good horror fiction. Yeah, this uh, Algernon Blackwood story I think could be on the list. H.P. Lovecraft, of course. Just do some uh, yeah. some, some spooky readings and I like throw, spooky throw it stuff. out there yeah. to, to people. Yeah, because we could actually find genuinely scary stories if we're not tying them to a subject we're covering. Right, because that seems to be what f-ks us. at least well written. <laughs> but anyways. Um, yeah, there's there's plenty of stories to go along here. We've got some picked out for you. Dave's gonna throw one at your face uh, uh, <laughs> right now. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about cockle frosting. I thought that that was a good phrase for scaring somebody, but you're right. It's weird. <laughs> My bad. All right, this first story is called "Shiver Me Cockles." <laughs> and who can afford cockle frost these days? <laughs> <laughs> all about foods, can. Oh. The storm lasted so long that they thought they would starve. 
then they did. The, the end. <laughs> the storm lasted so long that they thought they would starve. Finally, when the wind and swirling snow had died away to just a memory, the father, who was a brave warrior, ventured outside. The next storm was already on the horizon, but if food was not found soon, the family would starve. Keeping his knife and spear close, he ventured out upon the most frequently used game trail, watching intently for some sign in the newly fallen snow of animal footprints or movement or of anything. The forest lay deep and oddly silent under its gleaming coating of ice and snow. Every creature of sense lay deep within its burrow and slept. Still, the warrior hunted, knowing how desperate his family had become. As he moved through the eerie stillness, broken only by the soft caress of the wind, he heard a strange hissing noise. It came from everywhere and nowhere at once. The warrior stopped, his heart pounding. This is when he saw the blood-soaked footprints appearing on the path in front of him. He gripped his knife tightly, knowing that somewhere watching him was a Wendigo. He had learned about the Wendigo at his father's knee. It was a large creature, as tall as a tree, with a lipless mouth and jagged teeth. Its breath was a strange hiss, its footprints full of blood, and it ate any man, woman, or child who ventured into its territory. And those were the lucky ones. Sometimes, the Wendigo chose to possess a person instead, and then the luckless individual became a Wendigo himself, hunting down those he had once loved and feasting upon their flesh. The warrior knew that he would have just one chance to prevail over the Wendigo. After that, he would die. Or, the thought was too terrible to comprehend. Slowly, he backed away from the bloody footprints, listening to the hissing sound. Was it stronger in one direction? He gripped the spear in one hand, knife in the other. Then the snowbank to his left erupted as the creature as tall as a tree leapt out at him. He dove to one side, rolling in the snow so that his clothing was covered, and it became hard to see in the gray twilight of the approaching storm. The Wendigo whirled its massive frame and the warrior threw the spear. It struck the creature's chest, but the Wendigo just shook it off as if it were a toy. The warrior crouched behind a small tree as the creature searched the torn-up snow for a trace of him. Perhaps one more chance. The Wendigo loomed over his hiding place, its sharp eyes seeing the outline of him against the tree. It bent down, long arms reaching. The warrior leapt forward as if to embrace the creature and thrust his knife into the fathomless black eye. The Wendigo howled in pain as the blade of the knife sliced into its brain cavity. It tried to pull him off its chest, but the warrior clung to the creature, stabbing it again and again in the eyes and head. The Wendigo collapsed to the ground, bleeding profusely, almost crushing the warrior beneath its bulk. He pulled himself loose and stared at the creature, which blended in with its white surroundings so well that he would not have seen it save for the blood pouring out of its eyes and ears and scalp. Then the outline of the creature grew misty, and it vanished, leaving only a pool of blood to indicate where it had fallen. Shaken, the warrior, heart pounding with fear and fatigue, turned for home. He was weakened by lack of food, but knew that the storm would break soon and he would die if he did not seek shelter. At the edge of the wood, he found himself face to face with a red fox. It was a fat old creature, its muzzle lined with gray. The creature stood still as if it had been brought to him as a reward for killing the Wendigo. With a prayer of thanksgiving, the warrior killed the fox and took it home to his starving family. The meat lasted for many days until the final storm had blown itself out and the warrior could safely hunt once more. Now, I, it's not how I thought that story was going to end. That's true. It's a pretty I thought, positive ending. 
I thought that then, then there'd be stories of the Wendigo that had the fox companion, and then he went back and ate his family instead of the fox or something. Yeah. yeah. And the fox is like, yeah, get him. He looked get down him. and was, and he noticed a scratch on his arm. Oh yeah, he's got the the Wendigo bite. Yeah. So in that one, he he just stabbed the shit out of its head. Right. That's pretty good. And, and I, I mean, that's that's a pretty good idea most of the time. If you got a problem, stab it in the eye. Any problem. Taxes. The government. Government. <laughs> I'm going to follow that up with a poem. Oh, sweet. By Ogden Nash. I've heard of him. Called The Windigo. Pretty clever name. The Windigo. The Windigo. Its eyes are ice and indigo. Its blood is rank and yellowish. His voice is hoarse and bellowish. Its tentacles are slithery <laughs> and scummy, slimy, leathery. Oh. Its lips are hungry, blubbery, and smacky, sucky, rubbery. Oh! The Wendigo. The Wendigo. I saw it just a friend ago. Last night it lurked in Canada. Tonight on your veranda. <laughs> Come on, Ogden! <laughs> As you are lulling hammock-wise, it contemplates you stomach-wise. You lull, it contemplates, it lollops. The rest is merely gulps and gollops. Veranada? (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah, there are limits, Mr. Nash. There are limits. Okay, I'm going to show you what a poem sounds like, Ogden. How about some Luis Erdrich? Should show you what's up. No Verana does here. <laughs> you knew I was coming for you, little one, when the kettle jumped into the fire. Towels flapped on the hooks, and the dog crept off groaning to the deepest part of the woods. And the hackles of dry brush, a thin laughter started up. <laughs> Mother scolding the food warm and smooth in the pot and called you to eat. But I spoke in the cold trees. No one, I have come for you. Child, hide and lie still. The sumac pushed sour red cones through the air. Copper burned in the raw wood. You saw me drag towards you. Oh, touch me, I murmured, and licked the soles of your feet. Come on. You dug your hands into my pale, melting fur. I stole you off a huge thing in my bristling armor. Steam rolled from my wintry arms. Each leaf shivered from the bushes we passed, until they stood naked, spread like the clean spines of fish. Then your warm hands hummed over and shoveled themselves full of the ice and snow. I would darken and spill all night running until at last morning broke the cold earth and I carried you home, a river shaking in the sun. What? (laughs) (laughs) Windabadger? Windabadger. Listen, that one made less sense, but was still better, I think. (laughs) Yeah, no veranda does. Yeah. How about you hit us with a story, Flurry? Well, I'll I'll get a Flurry story. Okay. One winter, a newly married couple went hunting with the other people. You know, those guys. Uh-huh. When they moved to the hunting grounds, a child was born to them. One day, as they were gazing at him in his cradle board and talking to him, the child spoke to them. They were very surprised because he was too young to talk. 
Where is that sky spirit? Asked the baby. They say he's very powerful, and someday I'm going to visit him. His mother grabbed him and said, You should not talk about that Manito that way. A few nights later, they fell asleep again with the baby and his cradleboard between them. In the middle of the night, the mother awoke and discovered that her baby was gone. She woke her husband and he got up, started a fire, and looked all over the wigwam for the baby. They searched the neighbor's wigwam but could not find it. They lit birch bark torches and searched the community looking for tracks. At last, they found some tiny tracks leading down to the lake. Halfway down to the lake, they found the cradle board and they knew then the baby himself had made the tracks. Ah! Had crawled out of his cradle board and was headed for the manido. The tracks leading from the cradle down to the lake were large, far bigger than human feet, and the parents realized that their child had turned into a wendigo the terrible ice monster who could eat people. They could see his tracks where he had walked across the lake. The sky spirit had 50 smaller manadog or little people, to protect him. When one of these manadog threw a rock, it was a bolt of lightning. As the wendigo approached, the manadog heard him coming and ran out to meet him and began to fight. Finally, they knocked him down with a bolt of lightning. The wendigo fell dead with a noise like a big tree falling. As he lay there, he looked like a big Indian, but when the people started to chop him up, he was a huge block of ice. They melted down the pieces and found, in the middle of the body, a tiny infant about six inches long with a hole in his head where the Manadog had hit him. This was the baby who had turned into a Wendigo. If the Manadog had not killed it, the Wendigo would have eaten up the whole village. So that's like the Iceman version. Yep. It's like the Dip Baby version. Yeah, yeah the Devil Baby. The Actually, it's like gonna get you. Devil Baby Mecha Armor. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of some of these stories now. When someone turns into a Wendigo, their body grows or is encased in some sort of yeah. demonic, monstrous thing. And then when they, if they, if you can kill them, you can cut them open or they shrink, but inside is the person that once was. Blech. Right? So that's, uh, that, that goes along with that version. Do you want to do the next story and I'll end with the poem? Sure. The villagers realized a windigo was coming when they saw a kettle swinging back and forth over the fire. No one was brave enough or strong enough to challenge this ice creature. So we're hearing that, and that was in the poem too, the swinging kettle or something falling in the fire. That's the indicator. I didn't see that before. Yeah, or sort of wind. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After they had sent for a wise old grandmother who lived at the edge of the village, the little grandchild, hearing the old woman say she was without power to do anything, asked what was wrong. While the people moaned that they would all die, the little girl asked for two sticks of peeled sumac as long as her arms. She took these home with her while the frightened villagers huddled together. That night it turned bitterly cold. The child told her grandmother to melt a kettle of tallow over the fire. As the people watched, trees began to crack open and the river froze solid. All this was caused by the windigo, as tall as a white pine tree coming over the hill. Which is interesting. I mean, those are all like extreme cold weather events things, Mm -hmm. uh, like the White Walkers. Mm. With a sumac stick gripped in each hand, the little girl ran out to meet him. She had two dogs which ran ahead of her and killed the Wendigo's dog. Aha, Wendigo had a dog. Uh, But still the Wendigo came on. 
The little girl got bigger and bigger until when they met she was as big as the Wendigo himself. With one sumac stick she knocked him down and with the other she crushed his skull. The sticks had turned to copper. After she killed the Wendigo, the little girl swallowed the hot tallow and gradually grew smaller until she was herself again. Everyone rushed over to the Wendigo and began to chop him up. He was made of ice, but in the center they found the body of a man with his skull crushed in. The people were very thankful and gave the little girl everything she wanted. A pony. <laughs> a Barbie dream house. That's right. Yeah, I don't know how the girl knew to do that, but... Right? Mm. Yeah, way, way to go, little warrior. What a hero. A hero doesn't then extract things from the village for a period of time. <laughs> when they gave it to her, willingly. Fair enough. One more here for you. Yeah. Poem by Charles Dawson Shanley called The Walker of the Snow. Stay back, Carl. It's no good, Carl. <laughs> it's snow good, <laughs> Carl. Stay back. Speed on! Speed on, good master. The camp lies far away. We must cross the haunted valley before the close of day. How the snow blight came upon me, I will tell you as we go. The blight of the shadow hunter who walks the midnight snow. To the cold December heaven came the pale moon and the stars, as the yellow sun was sinking behind the purple bars. The snow was deeply drifted upon the ridges drear that lay for miles around me and the camp for which we steer. "'Twas silent on the hillside, and by the solemn wood "'no sound of life or motion to break the solitude, "'save the wailing of the moose-bird with a plaintive note and low. "'And the skating of the red leaf upon the frozen snow. (laughs) "'And said I, though dark is falling and far the camp must be, "'yet my heart it would be lightsome if I had but company.' And then I sang and shouted, keeping measure as I sped, to the harp twang of the snowshoe as it sprang beneath my tread. Not far into the valley had I dipped upon my way, when a dusky figure joined me in a capuchon of grey. Bending upon the snowshoes with a long and limber stride, and I hailed the dusky stranger as we travelled side by side. But no token of communion gave he by word or look, and the fear chill fell upon me at the crossing of the brook. For I saw by the sickly moonlight, as I followed, bending low, that the walking of the stranger left no footmarks in the snow. Then the fear chill gathered o'er me, like a shroud around me cast, as I sank upon the snowdrift where the shadow hunter passed. And the otter trappers found me before the break of day, with my dark hair bleached and whitened as the snow in which I lay. But they spoke not as they raised me, for they knew that in the night... I had seen the shadow hunter, and had withered in his blight. Sancta Maria, speed us! The sun is falling low. Before us lies the valley of the Walker of the Snow. Stay back! Stay back! Oh, the moose bird! (laughs) (laughs) The moose bird calls again! The moose bird always calls twice. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I like that story, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lots of of stuff in literature. Um, Yeah. I'll I'll get to that in a bit. But first, Dave, I know what you're thinking. Thinking about drinking. I don't know what you're thinking. But 
what I would be thinking is, how the hell do I protect myself from one of these things? Well, Flora, that's your neck of the woods because I don't try to protect myself from anything. Oh. Number one, don't eat people. That'll do it. Yeah. Let's easiest way to not be a Wendigo. It's just like when they say, you know, don't, um, don't slip and fall and accidentally have sex with somebody. Do not slip and fall and start eating their flesh. That's easy enough uh, for, for a lot of us. If you do happen to find yourself as a Wendigo now, it's very difficult to be cured. I don't it. think that's true at all. I mean, there's a very clear cure and it is to, uh, die. You have to be <laughs> killed. You have to have someone crush or shoot the tiny person inside your giant ice edifice, or you just have to be killed or stabbed in the eye a whole bunch. <laughs> um, Some people, though, like Dave, what if what if Kim became a, a Wendigo? Wouldn't you want to try and, and get her back? No, because we're no-nonsense people. She's become a monster, and she has to be dealt with as a monster. <laughs> I'm not talking about, like, the governor keeping his daughter on a chain Right, no. Or whatever. I, I'm talking about there are ways uh, that some people can be turned back. Now, some methods include drinking wine by the fire. You want to do that? Shut you, up. Well, you see, sit him down, drink some wine? Then, then, then it's perfect because Kim could never become a Wendigo because we do drink a lot of wine by fire. So There you go. See, that's what you have to do. You got to get ahead of the problem. Uh, another another cure are shamanic rituals, including what's called the shaking tent rite, where singing and drumming summons spirit helpers to assist in curing and healing with some anti-sorcery. See, again, we already do that. You do a lot of drumming and singing and oh, man. shaking of Almost tents. every night, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. We got a couple of TMI those. TMI a little bit there. No, we got a couple of those, you know, those... Um, tents they put out as a sample at the at the uh, sporting goods store that you could put a cat in. Oh yeah, we got one in each hand and we uh, shake them. I em. see, I see. I thought you were talking about sex. Never. That wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> Welcome to my life. <laughs> yeah. There's also the the old classic consuming heated or boiling animal fats. Yeah, tallow was mentioned as like. Does that lady like? Did the little girl like? half transform herself into a Wendigo and then she drank, drank the tallow to come back down again. That's what it sounds like, doesn't it? Yeah. That, the whole reason be- behind um, doing that, the, the boiling fats, the consuming all that, is that the, the heart turns into ice. Mm. And you're doing that in a way to melt the, the icy Thaw heart. Thaw it out. Yeah. You've, you've got to warm the icy heart with a hot, hot fat, hot island fat. So just, yeah, all you do is you just eat a eat a eat a uh, double down burger or something. <laughs> so here's the deal: if you're out in the snowy Canadian woods at night, you want to keep a fire lit. Yeah, you do. Now this this won't stop a Wendigo, but it might buy you some time to change your drawers. Yep, that's all you need. <laughs> it's not you. Well, you you want to die with dignity. <laughs> Maybe you do at least. Uh, any amulets or charms to ward evil apparently help. Headphones, earplugs will block the howling that you yep. might hear. That can and may drive you mad. Some tales say that iron uh, is, is good against them, which sounds very fey-like. Well, I mean, it, I mean, in so much as like an iron bat, copper seems to work. And the co- that copper one story. in that one story, yeah. Uh, but more commonly, silver is the key. Well, duh. Silver bullets can kill them, or at least stop them. And a silver stake through their frozen heart is the best way to kill one. Additionally, and this is taken from 
the, the website Monstropedia. The shards of the Wendigo's heart must be securely locked in a silver box and buried in consecrated ground, such as a churchyard or cemetery. The Wendigo's body must then be dismembered with a silver-plated axe, and each piece of the body must be salted and burned to ashes, which must then be scattered to the four winds, casino, or each piece (laughs) (laughs) must be hidden in some remote, inaccessible location, like the bottom of a lake, a chasm, the sea floor, or a well. Failure to follow these procedures exactly will inevitably result in the Wendigo's resurrection, followed by its bloody vengeance. It will hunt down its killer, relishing and anticipating the taste of the hunter's blood in every single moment. Gross. That is a recipe for success, and it's a hard one to follow. I I guess. Man, like at that point, you're just like, fuck it, just eat me. <laughs> you got to you gotta stab it with s- silver, chop it up, burn it, salt it, burn, burn it, it, scatter it, yeah. bury it. Now, when they say scatter to the four winds, do you actually have to like keep it and wait for the wind to change to the new direction, scatter some more, wait, scatter? Or does, I... that, does that just mean like just do a big spin in a windy day? Mm, I, would, I would guess it's go to this point that we know is in the north, this cliff face. Throw it out there. Go to this point in the east, the uh, the, mm. the sacred grove. You know, I don't know. I, w- I think there's probably places that... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't know how to get rid of a Wendigo. I don't feel like I'm any closer to knowing. But like I said, the heart is a key component. Part of the transformation deals with it freezing solid and destroying it will destroy the evil spirit. Now, pretty much, though, they are just plain hard to get away from hard to kill, and sooner or later, they will come and get you. Damn right. There are some experts online that have uh, weighed in, Dave. <laughs> oh, sh- yes. It, well, the, where could you get a hold of such experts? There's only one place where such a gathering of, of minds is accessible to uh-huh. us plebs. Nice. That place, of course. Yahoo Answers. How would one protect themselves from a Wendigo? Asks Anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> um, and specifically, he says, how would someone protect themselves from a Wendigo? Uh, I'm not asking how to prevent yourself from becoming one. I'm asking that if you were in a situation where you were lost in the woods and you were being followed by a Wendigo, would there be any way to protect yourself? If possible, I would prefer answers that are, that are more traditional. You don't get to say what answers you want, brah. Well, you can put it. You won't get it. Right. Also, asking for a friend. <laughs> right. No, you've been followed by one. Well, good news. He's this. staring at the, the chunk taken out of his arm is what he's doing. He got pretty lucky because he put the call out there and Priestess Maygrid Birdsong just happened to be online at the time and was ready to answer. Is really a priestess? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, good news. This It's as simple as this. Huh? If Priestess Maygrid Birdsong were in this scenario, she writes, I would first do a time-quickening spell to hasten my trip through the woods and perhaps outrun the Wendigo. I would then do some psychic shielding as well as some repelling rituals just before leaving the wood. Finally, I would cast a muddling spell to cause the Wendigo to be confused for a short time, and with a bit of mist or fog-generating spell to cloud the way I, while I made my escape. Blessed be. 
It's Leviosa, not yeah. Leviosa. Yeah, these. Jesus. Wow. Oh. Speaking of wow. Is, wow. Yeah, that sounds exactly. like fucking wow. Yeah, that was. Sounds like World of Warcraft. Oh, man. You know, for when you're out there, Dave, and you find yourself like that, just start casting all these spells, Brosif. Yeah, I, I sh- I, usually I am castling, casting a muddling spell on myself. <laughs> Holy cow. Who else weighs in here? Oh, let's see. How about the sage? Well, sounds like the guy to go to. The sage says, there's just one way you can get rid, you can get away from a Wendigo. When the Algonquin language was translated into English, it was learned that this cannibalistic giant was a woman, jeez, <laughs> who violated a ritual meant for men only. She should have known better. She was transformed into a monster by the Earth God. If this monster is following you, you have to ask the Earth God for help. And if this God hears you, all is well. If not, curtains for you. <laughs> Curtain. XOXO, winky face. The sage. I love that he uses curtains. Yeah, that's <laughs> ah, <laughs> curtains. See, <laughs> love it, love it. So let's talk about uh, what do you, what do you think this is? What do you think? What do you think some uh, likely sources of Wendigoism are in this world, Flarba? Well, you know, with with this one, obviously we've we've been hitting the folklore, the legend hard. Yep, and of course, there's not. Most people don't need much more than that. It, right. Obviously, it's it's a myth. It's the a legend. Sage doesn't. The sage knows what's Pri- up. Priestess, but Me- Melody Hearth song. Bunny, bunny, weather. Sparrow kisser. Yeah, moose bird. I mean, there's there's a number of things that people can say a Wendigo is. One Sasquatch. Scratch. Classic. I mean, this is a very different MO for, for a yeah, Sasquatch. It's a big furry uh, woods creature. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeti are, seem to be kind of down the same line uh, yeah. or abominable snowmen. All the same thing. thing. All the same thing. There's always the uh, the old classic vampire or werewolf bent. Yeah. You got, you got a, a, a silver stake to the heart that's covering a lot of silver. territory. It, yeah. You've got some transformations. Yep. Uh, Shape shifting. You got some like. Uh, the appearances, the, the, the hungering, hunger, yeah, the mm-hmm. human flesh. Now, there's the thought that some of these ideas, maybe they came in integrated when European settlers started coming in. Maybe you know that's that's a a decent enough way to to say to connect those dots. Yeah, sure. Say. But uh, uh, who's to say? You know, you know, it would be a real easy way to to suss that out is you see what d- the degree to which those tribes used silver. Just normally? Yeah, just yeah. at all. I'm not saying look for silver stakes. I'm saying like, did they have access to silver? Did they yeah. use it a lot? You know, right. that's, that's a good way to put a timeline on it, I would guess. I don't and know. who and who was the one that's saying to use silver? Was right. it a, a European that's reporting it or was it, you know, yeah. tribal elders? How about demonic spirit? That that seems to go and that, that comes up in a few stories people consider to be a sort of possession. Right. Yeah. You you really get possessed. It's not of your own free will. In fact, some people even beg for their own death. Yep. So as not to Lot, cause more lots harm. Lots of self-hangings in this, mm-hmm. which kind of leads very nicely into the, the cautionary tale. And I, this is, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to get the, the, those explanations out of the way because I think this is where this really becomes more interesting sure because there there isn't a monster to my opinion i mean consider geographically where these tribes are located uh, and these are these are areas that are regularly 
every year inundated with extraordinary amounts of snow. Um, makes it very difficult to travel, to hunt, and if you don't have enough food set away where you are, you're in some pretty serious shit. Yeah. And, Isolated communities. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it is very, you know, incidents of cannibalism will happen far more frequently than they would in other cultures and other areas that don't have this, this, this isolation blanket drop over the area for, mm-hmm. you know, six months out of the year. And so it makes sense that there is some, some folklore surrounding this, you know, there's every, every culture has a taboo against eating your own kind. Right. Um, now a lot of cultures, not a lot, but the cultures who do practice cannibalism solve that problem by saying, well, we're our kind, you're the other kind, Mm -hmm. so we can totally eat you and it's cool. (laughs) But the, the interesting thing here is that you get into, uh, a, a, what's called a, a cultural psychosis that can arise that in, in this part of the world is called Wendigo psychosis. Mm -hmm. Um, and it now make. Just it, it it sounds official. It is not. You're not going to see this in the diagnostics manual. You're not. Um, this is something that lives on the very edge of it, of 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 actual accepted science. And in truth be told, really isn't. Right. Um, because any attempts to uh, study it, the clo- you know, as scientists, usually around the turn of the 20th century, we're like, wow, does this thing really happen? It evaporates. So it's almost sounds like something that you hear stories about. But they had a hard time pinning it down. But the, the, the basis of it is um, the sufferer of this psychosis has an insatiable desire to, com- to consume human flesh, uh, despite, despite the fact that there, be, there might even be more um, uh, convenient and conventional sources of food available. There are some theories that this is, again, um, you have to have in a, in a culture where cannibalism can arise very easily. Mm-hmm. You, you have to reinforce the taboo. So you say, well, if you, not only have you, have you done f***ed up if you eat another person, but you also, you become a monster. You don't get to come back. It's a one-way right. street. You, you become this creature that has to be destroyed. Yeah, that's your soul. And, that's, and that is how, as a, as, a, as a group, as a tribe, you get to maintain some cohesion. Otherwise, everyone's eating everyone, and that's the end of everything. Oh, yeah. So you first time it snows, everybody's just yeah pulling out the old uh, meats back on the menu, boys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you 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 have to uh, you know sociologically you have to create a mechanism to kind of maintain order. Mm-hmm. But then out of that, that fear. I mean, think about this: you are dying of hunger in a tent, but you won't eat anybody. You know, yeah, because this could happen. People could snap. That could be such a profound fear in them that they become the thing they fear, which happens in a lot of different formats in other ways. That's right, but Nietzsche. Th- that's right. And so this is like a very uh, regionalized cultural version of it. But the, the interesting thing about this is that this, can, this particular kind of psychotic break doesn't happen in any other culture. People under uh, similar stresses in other cultures do not have this thing emerge. And again, there is scant proof that this really ever emerged there's not like oh here's a good case where this happened and even for example the the case we were talking about earlier um the man who said that he'd killed 20 people because they they would all they all got wendigo fever Mm -hmm. i I wouldn't be surprised if one person did exhibit this psychosis much like a a a salem witch trial scenario Mm. one person topples everyone's already on the edge and that allows more people to topple it then it just becomes a panic 
Yeah. And that that's taken forms in, in a, you know, that that's happened in a thousand different forms over history. Um, where once, once that dam breaks and people start seeing it and you see it with a uh, demon possession in some cultures, you know, once one person has it, then another person does. And, um, lots of people get swept up in it. There's even a part of that that plays into it that people may be envious of others in a, uh, a community and then they'll man- manufacture this. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, you know, and that's, that's an important thing because you get, and you know, and I, I, I don't, in my opinion, sometimes in some of the more charismatic Christian faiths that I, I used to go to those churches. I used to go to a Pentecostal church. There becomes a, a sort of one upsmanship about one's, um, you get attention from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not saying these are, I'm by no means saying speaking in tongues in a Pentecostal church is the same thing as deciding you have to eat the flesh of the living in order to survive. Yeah. Right. But when you, when, when that, when, when you realize, and there are people, this is a, uh, diagnosable and there's people doing harmful things for attention. When you, when, when person a, Oh, well I, I spoke in tongues, so I must be doing pretty good. Oh, really? Well, I also spoke in tongues and I also got slain in the spirit. Yeah. You know, like, like there, there is definitely an, an escalation because people are looking for that, that kind of attention. Now, um, there are, there are other, uh, examples of this, of cultural, uh, psychosis or syndromes that where there's something that pops up psychologically just as a result of any number of cultural pressures or beliefs in a, in an area. For example, and there's a few, maybe you've heard of some of these, um, for example, Koro, uh, which is, happens in, uh, China, Chinese and Malaysian populations, but it is a belief that your penis is inverting into your body. And as it does, so it will do it lethally. You'll, you'll end up dying from it. People think that there's something wrong. Dudes will think there's something wrong with their penis. They, they believe that they can see it retracting into their body. Koro actually means turtle head. How's that for a fun fact? All right. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just saying like these, 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 these cultural specific psychoses can happen. In other, yeah. Uh, for example, uh, dot syndrome in India. I'm not getting, I'm not deliberately picking a bunch of dick things, but <laughs> the, there is a, uh, sometimes dot is the belief it's D H A T you're, that you're losing sperm, that it is just escaping when you pee or something, which is making you weaker and less virile. And that you can feel the weakness overtake you until something happens to fix this problem. The, everyone's heard those, those stories in, that come out of Central Africa about witch doctors and penis theft. Oh, you know, true. people hysterically just swear it's gone. Yeah. I know a lot of this. Curses them. I'm not meaning for this all to be dong based. And very, you know, a lot of them, they have. Uh, <laughs> these, are, these are very Wang centric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a matter of fact, here in the United States, passing out uh, fainting syndromes. Um, when things are, you know, the, the, the vapors and things like that, people in other parts, think about that culturally across the United States, people don't have this, oh, you startled me. So I just passed out. That's a Southern thing, <laughs> you know? So like they, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, isn't that a, isn't that sort of a, that's a Southern a Jane Austen type of thing too. Uh, maybe. Maybe I mean like the 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 southern is 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 like the the vapors and things uh-huh. like that and um but there 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 is these cultural switches that that can be that and, and I don't I don't know if they can be penis based they have to be penis based <laughs> they have to be but they you know I don't know if the horse leads the horse leads the cart or not I don't know if if it's some combination of 
cultural pressure that exhibits itself in a way, or if it's just an idea, a, a meme, an idea that just gets lodged in like, oh, that's on the menu. I can just pass out if you scare me enough. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to say how that, how that goes. And, yeah. um, but yeah, I just thought that was really cool. It was a fun little rabbit hole to chase down uh, about different cultural uh, psychoses and, and that, you know, in, a, in an area that is frequently has problems with starvation, isolation, right? that something like this could arrive, that someone, that the flip, the switch would flip in their head to be like, ah, now I, that's all I can do now. All I there's got to be something to, there, there, there's got to be something we can pin this on as opposed to all the, the, the horrors and the harshness that is already upon us. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like, we're doing okay. We, we've got this. We're going to make it. And it also, no, we're not, you know, well, and also that also saves everyone else. Right. right. They get to say that guy, he's the monster. Get him. Huh? Good thing. We're not monsters. That's true. I'm just hungry. I'm going to go to bed now. Yeah. So crazy stuff. Very interesting though. And the Wendigo, like I said at the beginning has permeated a lot of, uh, uh, culture Mm -hmm. around the world and in the, in North America, in particular with, with some of the pop culture that, that we get out of it. Lots of literature on the Wendigo. Literature. Literature. Um, including uh, the Cthulhu mythos. Yeah. Actually, um, Ithaca from the August Derleth short story of the same name was a great old one encountered in the subarctic. I'm going to, in the show notes, post a list of just a a ton of great Wendigo literature from short stories to poems to one, one of the sources of, of a lot of this info, which somebody wrote, I think back in 82, uh, wrote a whole anthology of, of Wendigo, um, tales and, and folklore and Sweet. lots of, lots of good info on there. I'm going to post that in there. Uh, but also like you said before, Marvel had, uh, has seen the Wendigo as a villain yeah. appearing First in The Incredible Hulk, number 162, and later in Wolverine, Amazing X-Men, et cetera, et cetera. The movie Ravenous, which is a, it's one of the most modern, I would say, strong go-tos for a Wendigo type of tale. That's what you're into. You haven't seen it, though, right? No. You got to watch it. No, I don't. You've got to. No, I don't. But you have to watch oh, it. Oh, shit. Okay. It's good. I, I watched it. I think I was in high school when it came out. Maybe maybe college, but uh, watched it. I I I enjoyed it. It's it's a freaky movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, good, worth a watch if you haven't seen it. Uh, uh, watch it now that you know about the Wendigo. Uh, Pet Cemetery of Wendigo is is sort of brought up in the in the plot it? line. I don't remember that. I have seen that movie. It's been mentioned in the show Charmed. Oh gosh, I don't remember which episode. Probably the one with Alyssa Milano. Is she in that show? Was she? Was she not? I don't. I don't, I don't <laughs> fucking know. I was. <laughs> Also, wow. The world of Warcraft. The world of Warcraft. Yeah, you it, can find a whole bunch of those motherfuckers just outside of Terran Mill. Can you? Yeah, just north of Terran Mill. Are they just a, a, a mob yeti. you can kill? Yeah, I think there's yetis and windigos up there. Oh, uh, um, fun. So it's like a snowy place? Yep. D&D, obviously. They are found as large monstrous humanoids that resemble hulking fur-covered brutes with a thick tail and a... Completely bald, forward slanting forehead, according to the old monstrous manual, and, and 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 on and on and on. I'm sure we've left out your favorite thing. I'm sorry, but what a what a fun midwinter cryptic folkloric treat. Yeah, for you. That's the Wendigo in a in a uh, emaciated 
blood-stained, snow-covered nutshell. Flora. Flora, I've been in the studio with you for so long. I can't. I'm weak. I'm hungry. Mm, it's just one thing. That, or I've got to, I got a taste in my head, and it's all I can I have to have. And moose birds. <laughs> Why don't you just eat that moose bird? <laughs> How about you go first, Flora? You want me to go first? You know I do. All right. Well, let's when you go, I'd like you to go. So there's a legend that tells of a hideous beast that roams the snowy woods, and it looks like two monsters conjoined at the hip. Really? Yeah. What is it? The Siamese Twindigo. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. You know, in an effort to remain more relevant in a constantly changing, uh, fast-paced uh, world of, of food service, uh, one of the big hitters in fast food has recently started uh, serving uh, human flesh in Sasquatch- Saskatchewan. It's Wendy's Go. <laughs> <laughs> mm, delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> here's a place you might want to visit soon. Uh-huh. It's a store that scrapbooks all your past cannibalistic memories. Oh. It's the Wayback Wendigo. That's adorable. You know, Flora, we picked up a... Uh, a new uh, sponsor for the podcast? <laughs> a new sponsor for the podcast, yep. God, we have so many sponsors, but we're so fucking poor. I don't get it. A new sponsor of the podcast, uh, Outdoor Outdoorsman Supply Company for hunters and stuff. It's Manitoba Manhunter brand uh, moose bird calls. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, they're the, uh, they're the, the, the one and only best uh, for, for uh, moose bird calls for hunters working in the, uh, the frozen north. You know... What's nice about it is they actually sent us one yeah. to try out just to make sure that we know what we're we're yeah. hawking here. Hold on, let me just uh, let me just get that out of its wrapper there. Oh, I'm glad that it's sealed. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, you put it in your mouth. And you just, <laughs> it's a good thing this room is. Uh, audio sealed. Otherwise, we'd be we'd be swimming in moose birds right now. <laughs> it sounds like some kind of horrible ritual chant. <laughs> well, it kind of is by a tribe of deaf elders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think them's is the revenants of puns. Oh man! Oh, and now it's. Now, now let us summon the moose birds of our listeners. <laughs> Listener birds. <laughs> more, more mail than you can shake a tent at. Yeah. All right, here we go. Got some listener mail, Flora. And some, thank- eh? <laughs> Just a taste. Thank you guys for writing. Sorry, we're so slow. I say it every time, and yeah. <laughs> and then I do that every time. Oh, my God. Uh, got one from Alex here. Hi, Alex. Says, hey, guys, new listener here. Hope you're still a listener, because it's been a while since he wrote this. <laughs> it's true. Uh, only found blurry photos a while ago, but have been listening to it every day at work. I get down about three or four a day. Wow. Oof, it's been a blast. If you guys ever need a paper toy or printable for a promotion, donation reward, Patreon, let me know. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Thanks, might, Alex. I give you a call. Yeah. What do you got for Got a quick shout out to Athma, who recently found the show and loves it. Favorites are Ghost Stories and Dybbuk Box. 
and uh, and throws a su- suggestion. So oh, sweet. Thank you, Athema. Put it on the pile. We actually have piles. That's how organized we are. I got one. Uh, I got an email here from Beej. <laughs> uh, Beej writes, love the show, guys. Thanks. Uh, I run a Monster of the Week tabletop game set in 1901 for my friends, and a number of your episodes have inspired sessions. Nice. Hey. Uh, my players curse your names for what I've inflicted on them in the tunnels beneath Portland, as well as for hellhound shenanigans. Beej, do they go on YouTube a lot? <laughs> yeah. And a Beej also has a bunch of awesome show suggestions. Cool. We'll be checking them out. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Thanks, Beej. And hey, good luck with the riding. I ride a, uh, a Trek uh, Cross Rip Elite, uh, and I dig it. I dig it. We're talking bikes. I see. Well, from beige to siege, <laughs> we've got a CJ. Nice. CJ says she just heard us reading our uh, reading her comment about Oregonian pr- pronunciations, uh-huh. and she said I was thinking that the writer was spot on, and then I realized it was me. <laughs> said you'd love Oregon. It's gorgeous and laid back. No sales tax. Don't pump your own gas. Great vineyards. Great food. Don't pump your own gas. I, yeah. Is it stuck in the 50s? Like, do do Sweet. people actually come out and pump your gas? Every, is everything in, oh my God, everything is black and white. That's why the fucking hipsters love it so much. Before it was cool. <laughs> you don't have to sell me on, on, on Portland. I want to live there bad. Well, she says it's a pretty sweet little place, as long as you don't move here. <laughs> oh, you giveth and tooketh away. You're always welcome to visit, regardless of your pronunciations, we'll correct you. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that, uh, that people in Portland especially are like, yeah, we love this place. We love you for you to come visit. Don't fucking move here. Yeah. Well, speaking as a native Coloradan, go f*** yourselves. No one, everyone who lives in a cool place doesn't like anyone who moves in there and it doesn't stop anyone from doing it. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Thank you, CJ. Thank you. And we will come visit. I didn't really mean for you to go f*** yourself. I just meant for people in general. <laughs> it was a general, the population needs to f*** itself. <laughs> Keep digging. <laughs> I know, right? Okay. Next uh <laughs> We got an email here. Uh, Greetings, peasants. It is I, the beautiful and all-powerful big princess Velocipapa. Oh! (laughs) BPV! (laughs) Yeah! Yeah! Um, Hello! I'm very busy with all my royal obligations this fall, but I wanted to give Ms. Lana Banana a shout-out. Bananas! We were out drinking one night a few weeks ago, and we took an Uber from my apartment to head out to the bar. Lana was a champion. Yeah. I'm not lying when I say she spent the whole car ride telling the driver about your podcast. Oh. I'm pretty sure she even wrote the show name down on a piece of paper and gave it to him. She was really going hard in the paint and either recruited our <laughs> Uber driver as a listener or deterred him from ever, 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 ever listening to the show. But regardless of the outcome, I thought that she should be recognized for her valiant efforts. And since I am a princess, I bestow Lana with the title Lady Lana of Bourbon. And she shall be referred to as such henceforth. That is all. And I agree. Thirded. (laughs) Motion passed. And it has. (laughs) Motion carries. Well done. Thank you, You Big Princess Velocipapa. Um, That's great. I love it when you call me Big Princess. Yeah, you you guys you guys are great. Thank you for spreading the the ministry as yes. it were. Uh, we need to send you guys some cards then if you're gonna if you're gonna be spreading that hard because it it'll be a lot easier to just uh, throw those at at people than than to uh, have to find a pen and a paper and 
write it all down and go here and don't mm-hmm. go there and hope you're not on YouTube because you'll just f***ing hate them if you're on YouTube. So bad at YouTube. Dave, we've heard from Reverend Bob Zilla. Nice! What's the Reverend have to say here? What we got? Everyone settle down. The Reverend's going to address you. Just so you know, Bob Zilla is spelled with an eight in the middle of it, but the eight is silent. Now, first, I just discovered you guys, and I am hooked. A podcast that glorifies puns. Oh, the joy. And it is about all things paranormal. Yes, please, and thank you. Flora, Flora's actually mopping his brow. Like, he's doing really good character work right now. The Reverend sends us the password for the Hollow Earth Certificate, but Dave, I believe you put a moratorium on that. Well, correct me, me if I'm wrong. Give me but- the sheet. I'm making a pile. God, I'm the worst. Dave is, Dave is making a pile. Now, we'll see if that ever yeah. comes to fruition for any of you poor souls out there who need <laughs> a hollow world certificate. Now, the Reverend also goes on to say, just want to comment on the scary EVP. I don't know if you've ever seen the excellent movie The Changeling with George C. Scott, but you might want to watch and listen to that EVP again. I remember the first time I heard it on Coast to Coast. We were working it overnight at the bookstore. I used to run, and I kind of lost my mind when it played. I ended up running home to get my DVD of the movie and making my crew sit in with kids trained to watch it. They all agreed it wasn't even a well-done fake. The movie did scare the shit out of most of them, so win-win. <laughs> all right, thanks again, fellas. You freaking rule. Reverend Bobzilla. <laughs> Thanks, well, thank you, thank you, Reverend. Got one here from uh, our friend Dan. Hey, Dan. Dan Darthulu. Oh, Darthulu. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> this is real short and sweet, Flora. <laughs> On this important debate, uh, Darthulu would like to weigh in with an affirmative. For my position on the merits of Ms. Erin Gray, included link to YouTube. Oh. Thank you, darling, dearie. I see, I see, Mongolian. Well, Dave, I've got one here from Angel, and he writes, Howdy, Blurry Photos crew from Texas. Hello, Texas. Texas. He's got us in his top three paranormal shows, along with Mysterious Universe and Ground Zero. Oh, yeah. And he's got a little bit of a ghost story for us. You ready? Back in 2002, 2003, his family lived in Okinawa, Japan, uh, because his father was in the Marine Corps. Okinawa has a very dark past, as it was one of the last battles of World War II, and many lives were lost. At the time, he says, my father would occasionally have weekend duty at the barracks on Camp Foster. My mother and I would visit him for dinner and hang out a little bit, and I would roam the hallways snooping around and having fun. Sometimes during my adventures, when it got dark, I would feel something or someone watch me around the corner or from empty rooms no one occupied. It was very eerie, as I never wanted to look outside the windows. Sometimes heard children laugh, as there were no other kids I knew who were in the same area, and even saw shadows move along the walls. Years later, I was told that the barracks was built near, you guessed it, a burial ground, hence the little tombs directly nearby. Another encounter I had was in our apartment we lived in, eighth floor of an apartment building, to where I would wake up in the middle of the night and see a silhouette shadow figure of a World War II Marine with what I assume was rifle slung over shoulder walk between me and my parents' bedrooms. The figure would repeat the walk from door to door as if on rewind and play, kind of like a residual haunting. Huh. 
I never felt scared or harm from the shadow. One last thing, my most recent bout with a thing and sleep paralysis is that I thwarted it, he says. That's right, I showed it who's boss. Nice. Tony Danza, I felt this thing stand at my doorway watching me. Sleep paralysis started from my feet upwards. I thought, oh no, not this time. I mustered every muscle I could move. I felt a force of strength build up inside, a great power. I twitched and heaved my stomach, and then... The bed! I farted. (laughs) And since the thing dart off faster than a jackrabbit in July. No one likes farts. I won that round for the time being. Haven't run into anything sleep paralysis related yet. Spread the word, (laughs) my friend! Uh, He says if we ever go down to Texas, we should go to Marfa, uh, the place where the Marfa lights happen. Aurora, Texas, where there's an alleged 1800 spaceman buried in a cemetery. And uh, the spaghetti warehouse in downtown Houston. It's haunted and it's spaghetti. I like both those things. Sounds great. Thank you for the show suggestions. And he ends it on a pun. I love puns. I have a friend who is a health food nut, mixes up a lot of smoothies. Calls him Blenderman. (laughs) Oh, bye, bye, bye. Uh, Thank you for writing, Angel. Thanks, Angel. Appreciate that. I don't know. Angel? I got one here from... Captain Catfish. Captain Catfish. No, Captain Fish. There's oh, two E's. Captain Catfish. That's right. <laughs> Got a pun. Uh, Captain Fat Catfish wrote a song. <laughs> no, he's not a fat catfish. <laughs> now. Fat, fat and, fat and cap, Catfish. <laughs> Captain Catfish wrote a song. The Braxton County Monster Truck. Oh. Seriously, it's on his new album. He'd like to send us a copy when it's finished. A VHS guide to indigenous cryptids. Oh. <laughs> Very nice. 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 Thanks, Captain Catfish. Uh, One more here for you, Dave, from Britain. England? No. no. Nope. Not spelled the same. Uh, Like the country. Not spelled the same. Homonym. Britain says, so I felt the need to tell you two that after listening to Ghost Stories 4 on Thursday, had a nightmare about the Taylor (laughs) Poe. It's because of the weird voices you did. It's probably the Eric Cartman voices. Oh, uh, thank you, Britain. Thanks for that. And thanks for listening. And thanks everybody for yeah. writing in. I think I think we've got a uh, another mailbag in our near future because I think we can get caught up. I don't know. Yeah, we'll I, see. S- we we've got mail here that could be part of the masonry. Yeah, it is. It is. It is heavy. <laughs> so thank you guys for listening. Uh, please don't forget. Give us five stars on iTunes. Write us a review. They're fun to read. Go ahead. Paste your most vitriolic, hate-filled diatribes to YouTube. Don't forget to uh, follow us on Twitter and uh, get yourself a free book for the new year. That's right. AudibleTrial.com slash Blurry Photos. There's tons of great books out. I've been reading the shit out of books. Flora, you've been listening to a ton of books. We've been killing it. Yeah, that's Uh, very true. And you can find a lot of what we talk about uh, on there, too. Yep. And also, uh, thank you for to the uh, Chicago Podcast Cooperative, who helps uh, not only allow this this sweet sweet disco train to keep rolling down its glittery disco tracks, <laughs> but uh, check them out online. Look them up, Chicago Podcast Cooperative. There's tons of other podcasts on there by extraordinarily talented people. Some of which their genius has been recognized by larger organizations than our own. So do it; <laughs> it's worthwhile. Check them out. That's true. And don't forget to check out the ladies of Candy Chat. They've oh, got yeah. their own feed now on iTunes. Uh, go listen to them. Like their Facebook page. Follow them on Twitter at Candy Chatters. So much candy. They'll, they'll love it. You're, you can look forward to it, a minimum of one episode a month on that. I think it's going to be more because we have a lot of candy backing up. Like a lot of candy. <laughs> That's true. Big stuff in the works. 
uh, we're we're working on on the store still. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of legal stuff that we're into now, so that's a good place to be. <laughs> yeah. At least you know we're trying. Um, working on a Patreon. Yep. Very close on on a lot of things. We've we've got two T-shirt designs printed up and ready to to yep. just we stare throw at, them. at people. We wa- I'm wearing one right now. You're wearing one. So. Um, we're, we're on it. We're, we're getting there. So thanks for your patience. Thanks for writing. Thanks for all the kind words that, that you say and, and appreciate you li- listening. Of course we appreciate you. Mm-hmm. So that'll do it for this episode of blurry photos. You want to guess what my name is going to be, Flora? I, 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 I thought about guesses? stealing it, but I feel, any, I would feel dirty. Do you have any guesses? No, but I'm, I'm going to put up this, uh, moose bird call. Okay. Before you can use you it. Get it out of my, get it out of my reach. I have been David, the fine young cannibal, Flora. <laughs> nice. And I have been Dave. Meet me on the veranda so that we may call moose bird Stecco. Don't <laughs> <laughs> be crazy. Ooh. Bye.